0: and battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by premier boat builders, visit AbyssBattery.com.
1: This episode is brought to you by HyperIce, the leader in advanced warm up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-Heated Wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec Compression Boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and HyperVolt Massage Guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Haaland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com.
2: All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bow Hunter Chronicles podcast. This podcast is one that we recorded down at ATA with Eric Clark. Eric is uh, the okayest hunter. Um, he does some great stuff. The He does a live show every Tuesday, and uh, you can call into the show. It's like a radio show. He's had some tremendous guests on. Um, but his whole thing, the whole thing behind their podcast is that the narrative is, Like It's okay to be wherever you're at, so it's it's the hunt your hunt movement, and just a great guy, super helpful, Uh, helps me a lot with the things that we're doing, uh, social media here, all that stuff. Um, His podcast is also uh, brought to you by Spartan Forge, Uh, Bill over there, um, Spartan Forge, if you don't know, we're working with them again this year. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, If we've learned anything, it's
0: that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret
3: sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your
0: new three-month unlimited wireless plan, for just 15 bucks a month go to mintmobile.com/ waypoint that's mintmobile.com/ waypoint cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com/ waypoint additional taxes fees and restrictions apply see mint mobile for details
2: is an incredible mapping and uh, predictive deer hunting app so basically they're using military technology plugging in Collard Deer Studies, they have literally billions of data points and they're putting it in there for you uh, to have the best odds when you're in the woods. You can check that out at SpartanForge.AI. And put in code bowhunter, you can save 25%. And the imagery, everything that's coming out this year, uh, probably I think in the next two months, Bill said, um, is going to be amazing. But check them out, Spartan Forge. Uh, working with a lot of podcasts, Eric's podcast is one of them. Again, we recorded this at ATA, so there is a little bit of background noise and, and all of that, but uh, just a super fun experience. And I uh, want to give a shout out, we did our quarterly giveaway uh, drawing last night for um, the stuff we were giving away through Patreon. And the winners, Travis Lee, Tom Taylor, Pat Casey, and uh, Mark Slegel won the Spartan Forge um, app. Uh, Year subscription for that. So Patreon is crowdfunding for creators right now. I'm setting in our new updated studio uh, I've got all the video going there's literally cords everywhere but I've got it figured out so uh, we're going to be able to bring you a much better video quality podcasts. Uh, I pride myself on what we're doing with our audio and I'm trying to do that with video and through the Patreon that's supporting us to be able to do uh, all of those things with uh, software upgrades hardware up- upgrades um, and We can't thank you enough for that. And with that, anything that we have left over, we put back into doing giveaways. So this quarter we're giving away, uh, we're going to be giving away a longbow and a set of arrows, um, and I'm still working on some other things, um, big things coming from the podcast, I would I would say. Uh, we got a bunch of different things in the works, uh, but we are going to be giving away one of those for this first quarter. Uh, I'm going to be at the Trad Show down in uh, Kalamazoo, uh, shooting some longbows and uh, talking to some people down there, so pretty excited about that. And if you want to check that out, you can go to patreon.com forward slash podcast. You just click our link on Instagram or go to the website bowhunterchronicles.com and uh, check that out. But if not, not a big deal. Just tell somebody about the show. If you find something that you like, if you're appreciative of of what we're doing, uh, if there's something that we can do better, leave us a review. And uh, that really does help us. But uh, that's kind of all we've got for this one. I I got a bunch of really good podcasts coming up. I'm super excited for the list. Uh, I mean, we got a laundry list of guests lined up and super, super excited. Um, Thanks for tuning in. And as always, thanks for listening. Enjoy the episode. So Eric Clark, OKS hunter. We're sitting here at the latitudes booth at ATA, the first ATA that you've been to,
0: correct, Eric? Second, but first in a long time. Second. Actually, last time I was at the ATA was in Kentucky, so, uh, number six years ago or something.
2: Oh, geez. So that we might not
0: have even that would have been no. before we went. Yeah, before us. I was not known by anybody, or nor did I know anybody. I don't even know what I was doing here. So what's changed in that <laughs> respect? Everything. Uh, I came here back then under where to hunt as a media. And I came with the Outdoor Podcast uh, Network, Kerry Zilka um, and uh, Brian Parizo, I believe. I might be saying his name wrong. I'm probably totally messing it up, actually. He's with Take Aim Podcast. Okay. And the two of them and a couple others were in that. So I came with them and
2: yeah, I just walked around. Yeah, that was about it. It was fun. So uh, Eric Clark is the where I might be the... Self proclaimed world's worst bow hunter, he doesn't even give it a distinction. He just says, I'm the okayest hunter. <laughs> so uh, let's get a little bit of background on you. You said you had come here and that, but I think we kind of skipped ahead a little bit. So well, it's it, part of your story. Yourself.
0: Yeah. So, hey, I'm Eric Clark, as Adam mentioned, and um, OK's Hunter really evolved from what was Where to Hunt, uh, which is still a an application for smartphones. Um, and it was also a podcast by the same name. And on that podcast, because I didn't have deer in my wall, like the one that we're sitting by, uh, I went on the offense to say I'm the OKS hunter. I never wanted to be someone that was viewed as an expert as a podcaster. So I felt as though I couldn't be a podcaster and tell people advice on hunting. I didn't have any advice to give. And so, I was really fearful that people were going to say, well, why would I listen to you? You don't have anything on your wall. You're not really good at this stuff. So, I said, oh, I know I'm not. I'm going to just say it for you. I'm not here to be the best at that or give advice. I'm going to talk to people that have done a good job. And that was the kind of... That turned into its own thing. I did it enough that I eventually just... We started saying it was the OKS podcast in the Midwest. Um, I'm the OKS hunter. And then it just kind of turned its own thing, where now it's its own brand. And I've really embraced that, uh, as so as the market so far, or, or the segment of it anyways.
2: Okay. So, what's your hunting background? I mean, to be the okayest hunter, you've already said that you are a hunter, right? Yeah. So, uh, from like day one, like, how did you, how did <laughs> right. you come where'd, up hunting? Where'd, where'd you grow up hunting and stuff?
0: Yeah. Uh, the Nicolet National Forest. In Wisconsin, so northern Wisconsin. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree is how I'll put
2: it. So You might be the world's worst podcaster. You're giving away like your WMAs and you're saying this is where... I mean, why would I buy an app that says where to hunt? You should have an app that just says this is where I'm hunting.
0: Yeah, it was meant to be the antithesis of that. <laughs> like, hey, I'm here, don't come near me. And there's bad eggs and everything. So, of course, some people ruin that for others. By and large, that's not how it's used. Um so whatever yeah, I grew up hunting the Nicolet with my dad. I see the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. If I don't think my dad's gonna resonate with it, then it's probably not a good idea. He is truly the okayest okest hunter. I literally gave him an okayest hunter sticker to put on his truck, the decal, the vinyl where you rip it off. And he just put the whole thing on there and never peeled the, the backing off. I'm like, Dad, that that comes off, that's vinyl. So then he did it, he ripped off all the words and just had the antler. <laughs> I'm like, Sweet. I'm like, this is the exemplar that this is what I'm talking about. He's very clumsy. He, you know, he's everything's difficult for him. He's sweating all the time. He's huffing and puffing all the time. He says, "I don't know." He can make a whole sentence out of the word "I don't know." It goes like this: Yeah, I don't know. No, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. That's who I learned from. And <laughs> you know, with that, I really think the the thing that struck me the most when I was growing up hunting with him was. I just learned to appreciate the time outdoors with my dad. I loved following him to places over the next ridge, over the next ridge. He would talk to me from leading the trail, but I could never hear an effing word he was saying. Do you ever have that you're following someone they're talking, pointing at stuff? I'm like, dude, I literally don't hear a word you're saying. And I know you're talking to me, but I don't know what you're talking about. You're 10 steps ahead of me mumbling, putting your head backwards every now and again. I, you're gesturing to things that so you must be saying, oh, that's oh, a rub. Oh, a bed. Oh, a scat. So... I just love that. And then, you know, when he put me in spots and the woods came to life and I got to be out there by myself, I fell in love with nature and the process of hunting. And it's only grown to what it's become an obsession now, where I think about it all the time and all that stuff. So there's a lot of moments of field where shit goes wrong. And those are okayest moments. So even if you're the most expert, best hunter in the world or the most highly televised one, You've had mistakes. You've forgotten your release. You dropped something out of your stand and played Planko with your tree stand sticks. Like stuff has happened, and those are moments that we focus on and celebrate because you can laugh at yourself and remember that this is all for fun, you know. So try to lighten up the mood a little bit and become relatable to everybody
2: else. So what over that over the course like. It was always uh, public land or was there like small family farms? Were you hunting over bait? Were you hunting out of climbers or rifles, bows, Uh, atlettles? I started by gun hunting,
0: a 12-gauge pump action that was taller than me that my dad gave me, that he bought when he was a kid. It was all public land. Uh, My uncle at least I hunted like once or twice maybe. I never had any luck on that anyways. Even if there were deer I shot at one and missed and missed and missed. I don't know what I was doing. Uh, The first deer I ever saw was five feet under... You know my tree, and I didn't shoot it because I got on the walkie-talkie until my dad a deer was right in front of me. And he said, "Put the walkie-talkie down and shoot it." I literally didn't even know what to do. You know, I was just so excited. Um, so yeah, public land started with shotgun. Then I eventually bought my own rifle, and then he got me a uh, a bow. He gave me his old Dart and Viper dual cam, and then I outfitted that with a Whisker biscuit and some new optics. And uh, really, I shot that until I bought a Bear uh, Empire single cam, and I'm still shooting the Bear Empire single cam.
2: And I got that off of Craigslist a number of years ago. Really? So, how long ago was that that you picked up a bow then? Because the whisker biscuit seems relatively...
0: I would have been in my... That was probably 21, 22, maybe 23, somewhere like that. So, I'm 35 now. So, I didn't start bow hunting. And I didn't even take bow hunting seriously back then. I was like, why are you buying me this? I don't want this. I want to go chase women. (laughs) You know, like I didn't care yet. Um until I started to care, and I got my first—I got my first deer with my bear um, bow from the ground. It was a doe fawn, and it was in 2017. That was my first bow buck, fo- first bow deer. My first bow buck was last year. So I've killed lots with my guns, but not with bows yet. So I'm still yeah. pretty new to all this, to be quite frank. So, yeah, that, that
2: definitely new to it yet. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So I—I've dealt with Eric. I don't know for like. As long as we've done the podcast, we were just trying to figure out like, how did we connect and come through this? And uh, I don't, I don't know, but Eric is like the super grinder of not like the gay app thing, but like
0: <laughs> of, <laughs> my super grinder um, account, yeah, um, <laughs> of
2: like <laughs> podcasting and like business and everything, and like he's like s- marketing by trade like just just incredible so he's a great resource for me um but he does an incredible show which is like essentially a hunting radio show where people can actually call in to your podcast so it's not uh, you do more than a podcast i would say because it has a whole nother dynamic to it you know so was well, a live streaming video podcast that's right That's right yep yeah where
3: people call in ask questions and Yeah
0: I wanted to have a dialogue with people and I want, you know, there's not one expert that knows more than the entire hunting population. If you've been hunting for one day or 20 years, you you have something you could probably teach someone that you've experienced, whether that's really valuable to whatever your goals might be. There's always something to learn from other people as a whole. So I want to have the opportunity to have a dialogue with our podcast listeners we I'm not just talking at them. I want to invite them in to talk to our guests if we get big name people. If they want to learn stuff from a Q&A perspective, share a story or a moment or give us insight and input and advice. And that's in recipes. It's a, we've got a lot of good engagement by doing it that way, which is the, the reason we do the live broadcast. Is so we have the ability to take those calls and people can participate in the show and the commentary.
2: So what has changed like from when you started your podcast? you know when did you start podcasting i guess this is a long time ago i started the the first episode of where to hunt came out with my my first ever guest was jared scheffler with whitetail adrenaline and that was in 2013 didn't you have a because i i pop in when i can because his podcast is live so it always comes up on my feed and he he does a real good job of like letting people know you know it's always at the same time it's going to be right here so i pop in and out but you had someone come on there and it was like didn't you wasn't it named something else before that or even before the where to hunt? It was always where to hunt until it was okay as hunter. Okay. Maybe um, it was when it was on that network, but it just seemed like, it, man, it was like forever ago. So what's changed? Was it, has it always been live calling since? No, it outset? used to be, I
0: mean, it was like normal podcasting. I had one USB mic. I would sit in front of my computer and record with like something called Linda or something. I don't remember what it was, Karen, some like weird <laughs> software that would record my Skype conversation and then I would produce it in like whatever that free audio editor is audacity mm-hmm. and now I use Adobe Edition uh, for post and you know but that's like all technically weird stuff but what happened is I would do the podcast and record an interview with someone and then I wouldn't get back to producing it for a couple days or weeks sometimes there was no consistency I was just the hobby and i was like hey i do a podcast Want to come on my show and then i would do it and sometimes i'd post you know podcasts two times a week sometimes once a month it was just really sporadic so i would say it was 2019 we moved into our new house it's not new anymore it's never was new um after my son was born right before he was born we started doing it every single tuesday so that was 2019 and here we are 2022 and we've not missed a tuesday since sort of like a christmas or a new year's holiday so i the consistency is what's probably changed, and we've just evolved things from there. I no longer use a single, you know, USB mic. I have a mixer, and it's a roadcaster. so that's been upgraded. And um, now we have several cameras running to capture the, sh- the live show, and it's just grown, uh, both in listenership and and also like our ability to interview people. Once you do things for a long time, and uh, obviously the technology and the way people call in and engage and things like that. So to
2: to, to shift um, to the to the OKS hunter into the OKS hunter like mentality, um, it, obviously our show is is centered around, I guess, kind of public land or uh, do it yourself type stuff, but it's also around like the welcoming culture of hunting. I guess like it's a good ki- phrase. I've t- never heard it called that, ki- that. That would say yes. To and kind of try to take away from the people that are trying to remove uh you know they want less hunters they want the these barriers where you have to shoot 140 where Mm -hmm. you know you have to have all this cool stuff and you have to do all this and while we're gear centric and we like to try new stuff it's you know because we can not because you have to have that to to kill deer so from that okayist hunter like Mentality, like what's the message, like that you guys are trying to portray to, like the the listener or the hunter that that does yeah, the, come the, through.
0: The message I think is just that everyone's on their own journey. Much like if you go to the gym and, and you're you know three hundred pounds, you have to start somewhere. And if you get down to two hundred and eighty pounds, that may have taken you half a year. And so if there's some really ripped dude in there, maybe he was at that three years ago. And, and someone could be judging that other person. Like, there's just so much judgment in society. It's a spectrum. So, there's a number of adu- I'm an adult onset hunter, technically. I didn't shoot my first bow till. Or I didn't shoot my first deer. And it was a dinky on Um, you know, till just a, not that long ago. So, the message is to make it okay for anyone to hunt at wherever they're at in their stage and ex- and, and understand and recognize they're on their, their own journey. So, we use some words that we've kind of uh, put into play to... to really agitate things and and stand out and go against the grain. So we hashtag every post with never pass. Well, it's because everyone says, you should have passed on that. Well, then we also came up with my tag, my hunt. How about you don't tell me what to do with the tag that I bought with my money to support conservation and what I want to go do. It's not your business to tell me what to do with my tag. I don't tell you what to do with your tag. It's mine. And when we say never pass, we say never pass an opportunity to do something that makes you happy. If that thing, whatever it could be, uh, a doe fawn, a spike buck, um, it could be 180 inch deer. We're not even discriminating against people that are shooting big deer. It's just, if that's what got your piss hot, then you should shoot it. And if it's in that moment, maybe you're hunting on your grandpa's last year to hunt. Maybe you're hunting with your kid for the first time. Maybe you're hunting out of state for the first time. Every hunt has its own unique scenario and situation that might not be aligned with getting this trophy animal. Um, and, you know, I think some of the, shows out there make it seem easy they cut out all the footage of the the failure because they want to get to the quote-unquote good stuff and then people don't then see that so even recently i got called out for this on social in a big way on stupid tiktok Um, but we got challenged pretty heavily when i went on and said that what was it Um, it was along lines of my tag my hunt and you should never pass and she what makes you happy and it was under the precipice of there's I think I saw five different examples of people this past season passing on deer that have literally never shot a deer ever because they think that they should only shoot a 140. So then they're just not shooting anything. So they're not getting experience, but they're also not experiencing what it is to hunt. They're like missing out on what it is. Like you need to start somewhere. So people are like, it's like the 230 pound guy going to the gym and expecting he's going to be ripped the next day that's not right. reality you need to put in the reps you have to go through you have to sweat you have to get on the freaking treadmill and do whatever it is you're going to do you need to actually draw your bow back and shoot some things i think and so it was just a little sad for me to believe that i've never shot a deer and i'm holding out for this one and blowing past all these opportunities because i don't think it's good enough and i challenged that and i got called out for it and some people told me i should never be hunting ever again and I'm terrible for putting this message into the world. And that was one or two people out of like, you know, several. Everyone else is like, I think, agreeing with what we're saying. Um, so, yeah, I think our mission feels strong to me because we should be welcoming people into the space, not shunning them once they get in here. And I've even talked to vegans that have become... Uh, they they just dis- det- I had to do this through this incubator I was in for the application that we have, the smartphone app. And at part of that incubator, I was asked to interview hundreds of people if I could to get a different perspective. So, I did that, right? And there was one example that stood out to me is a guy that used to be a vegan. And this particular individual was pretty disciplined at like following these regimented diets. And it turned out that being a vegan didn't work for his body. It didn't like it rejected it. So, he went to the other end of the spectrum and started the carnivore diet, (laughs) And he found himself in a grocery store, and he said, Well, where is all this meat actually coming from? He wasn't comfortable with it. So then he went to an archery shop, rented a bow, and started shooting archery.
2: John, how in the like, hell did he get to interview, just from this incubator, Joe Rogan?
0: <laughs> is this what happened? No. So, so then this dude... His name's Ryan. Um, <laughs> I remember. And so then he's like, I really started to enjoy archery. And uh, then I started to learn like what land do I need to hunt like what tag do I need to buy How, what do I do to process this meat and he's now hunting he's a hunter he's a do the hunts we stay connected and he shares his kills with me and he's you know butchering his own deer like this is a freaking vegan now if that vegan would have shot this deer or if someone had just kept shunning him we wouldn't have that other hunter among our ranks and that will hurt us and i just believe that there needs to be more people that have some open minds about why would we be mad about that person learning our way? We love this so much. Shouldn't we love that other people love this too? And that someone might come from somewhere that's not something that we're familiar with or recognize. So, you know, that's a really long-winded, rabbity hole kind of answer to what I think we stand for. But I just think the neck shouldn't bite the head off. We're on the same team and we should do as much as we can to bring people in this space. This welcoming culture. I think we're probably championing some of that um, and
3: retention too. Just as long as they don't hunt in our spots.
0: <laughs> I don't even care about that. Take all my spots. I don't. First of all, they're not any good, you know. And there's plenty of more deer and plenty of more
2: spots. Just like there's plenty of women in the sea to go find, you know. Like, damn, keep keep looking. Well, I just feel like the whole spot thing, like to me is, I guess I feel like if if there's people hunting my spot, then I've either found a good spot, right? Which is one of the things that's happened to me. I'm now there's another guy there or I'm in the wrong spot because that's where people all the going. guys are. But and, and, and it's a, it's a balance. And, and John, you, and maybe Eric, you can say this too, but I don't know how long or how serious you've been like going deep on public land or, or whatever, like trying to seek out these areas. But like, how many times have you walked into a spot on a map, like way back in the middle of nowhere and within, 50 or 100 yards, you see that old green, musty nails in the tree. Like so, it was a good spot at one, at one so time. Ex-
3: I mean, everywhere, everywhere I've gone, I've never found a spot that has, you know, like has no going inside. In. Yeah. Everyone's been, there's someone's, someone's been in every spot at one point or the other. And it's all like, normally it's like you get in there and you don't find any, you know, new tree stands. This year, I actually got out in the spot back in the in the swamp, back on that one marsh where we had scouted but didn't get over to it, right? I get back in there, and I'm like, okay. I follow, I'm following a scrape line and stuff, and I get back on the edge, and all of a sudden I look down. I'm like, there's something at the bottom of this tree. It was the metal ring of an old TSS sniper. That was the only thing left. Like, someone left their climbing tree stand out there, and it was... The only thing left was the metal band and the brackets and stuff. The wood was completely gone. But yeah, every spot that I've gone to, no matter what, someone's been there. My disposition is, and I
0: want to hear what you have to say, is that if you continue to heavily guard your quote unquote secret honey hole spot, etc., cetera, that, that can happen for so long. Someone's eventually going to bump you into it or out of it or whatever, but. If if you have that mentality for people that are coming into the space and you're being too guarded and not letting them experience some of the success that you've tasted, you're not going to have a spot if hunting goes away. There won't be any spot. And it's public land. So, I always say it's not even your spot. It's literally public land. It's not. You want your own spot? Go buy your own land. That is your spot. Right. You know? So, I'm I'm pretty bullish about it. Yeah, I'm. I'm just playing. And I know it pisses know. people off, but look at what happens with like the hunting public when they go to an area, they ruin it. Seek one, they ruin it. You know. Well, like, you, there's a lot of arguments about those guys doing stuff too.
2: But you just—that's what I was saying about the, the worst podcaster thing because you're giving out WMA's like this is yep. where I'm at. That's you true because like, I
0: want to help people, and and so it pisses some people off. But the app that we have, and uh, to switch gears a little bit, is I'm trying to solve that problem. I want to distribute the hunting pressure and alleviate some of that pressure by showcasing what the pressure looks like. And to date, no one has an application that shows hunter density based on real hunter data, which is what we've built over the last several years and is now coming to market for this next season. And it's just about finished. Um, it, it'll, it'll either be in web app form or an actual full-on app. App development is a little bit harder than just web apps. So um, I think... If if we could do that without showing someone specific spot, that's that's feedback that I've gotten and taken and we're doing something with or abstracting the specific spot more, we're kind of ballooning it out a bit. Um so I'm not gonna be able to see that you're in this tree. But I'll know that someone's in this general area within a certain threshold. Um and then showing that pressure as you would scrub through weather data of a forecast of like clouds coming through an area and you scrub from on your like whatever it is, weather bug, and you scrub the timetable of that clouds moving through or a system. It'll look the very same other than it'll be people and it'll be hunters. That's the way the app is going to function. But it's uh, not even just hunters, as I heard you We're doing saying. all, but we're starting with hunting because that's the data that we have. Um, so we're going to expand on it as we get more users in. And those users will be able to identify the activities that they're doing. And it'll get a lot smarter than that. There's some really technical things that go into it. But it's... You know, we're trying some new stuff, man. the The world's changing. If not, if it's not me, then it's gonna be someone else that does something like this. And there's a lot of t- there's, you know, always a question of when is too, tech too much tech. You
1: know,
2: so uh, back to the <laughs> uh, uh, okayest, and I want to talk about that stuff too. But no, like, that's fine. That's the, fine. We're talking on the side. The okay, the okayest hunter side, because that's where I think, like, for our listeners, right, is like there are so many guys out there that don't have a place to ask questions or to go or to find information that's relative to them at where they're at in their journey. So you can't be a, a brand new hunter, never hunted anything except for a ladder stand and then expect to have a intelligent conversation with like Dan Infold Yeah, there's or, a learning curve. got Jake Bush because yep. there's so much like I don't want to say, like, nuance, but there's just, like, so much information about, like, if you don't know what the leeward side of a hill is, if you don't know what thermals are, if you don't know, like, you know, what where deer bed or that deer don't sleep at night, you know, like, when they're going to bed, right? Like, Well, it's the lack of knowledge, like yeah. the, the, the difference or but, the void. Yeah. But so you, you don't have anywhere to go. So to talk to people and encourage them from from the jump, from the start to to where they're at now, or where you're at now, to where John's at now, to, to wherever. There's always more uh, knowledge to be to be gained. So, like, how do you, like, how are you relating to when you bring on your, your guests? Are you bringing on, like, expert hunters? And then what's the conversation there? Like, so if people were to tune into your podcast and you have, Jared Scheffler on Mm -hmm. or Aaron Snyder or like yeah. how do those conversations go this is a
0: great question so we've had some people like that on the show obviously and one of the last ones that I recall that was like a a bigger name that was more expert in hunting you know what they have that we don't is time they spend their entire their careers to be in the woods so they're they're compounding their knowledge in a way that we can't I liken this to like a If a new employee if two new employees start a day job at the same time, a new job. If one works twelve hours a day and one only works eight hours a day, the one that's working twelve hours a day is going to be up to speed a lot faster than the other one. Um so if I consider like expert hunters that are in the woods all the time, like the hunting public, they're out there all of the time. They're just learning so much more. So when I've had some of those folks on, I've asked the question of Well, what can we tell the people that only have this weekend to hunt? And it's only going to be Saturday, regardless of wind, weather, direction, all of those things, because that's when they have a babysitter for their kids. Um, Tell me what you're going to do. What are the most important things to focus on if I can hunt tomorrow? And that is it. And so then they distill it down. So, well, then I have to like get rid of a lot of the other stuff that I'm talking about if I had a whole month to do something versus a couple of days. So that's one of the questions that I've asked people before is how can we distill this down for the quote-unquote weekend warrior? You know, what should they be looking at or focusing on?
2: And so, what's one of the biggest things on that front? Like, so if I were to ask you that question for our listener, as the okayest hunter in your growth of journey of this year's hunt or last year or whatever, because you killed a nice buck this year, right? No, last
0: year. And I had a, I blew up an opportunity at a 140 this year from 10 yards. <laughs>
2: I don't want to talk about it. <coughs> well, we're going to talk about it because I, I think, well, well, we'll get into <laughs> okay. that in, in, in just a moment. But, so, what's one of the major things that you've taken away that you you focus on now that you've not focused on in the past? Yeah, there's
0: there's a few things that I would classify as game changers. From going from just a novice, like, I don't know, I'm just hunting here because I don't know, this tree looks good. To, you know, don't silhouette yourself in a, in a tree, but don't hunt because the tree is good. Hunt because the sign is there. So, uh, hunt the sign was a big takeaway from last season. Um, like, hunt the fresh sign and scout your way in, use water to separate yourselves from other hunters. I think that's a great way to, If you, even if you're going to take a canoe, a lot of other people are doing that too, but far fewer are doing that than most um, or put on a pair of waders. I waded up a river three miles um, to get to a hunting spot this season, and it was uh, incredible. I mean, I had a shot at a deer that night. I saw bucks. It was great. Um, the other would be learning the wind You know that was two seasons ago, and I finally understood what what wind could do and using it to your advantage. Deer are gonna come from any direction. You can't just assume they're always gonna do what you think they're gonna do, but you can make some assumptions about where they're betting, and then you have to position yourself where if if they go to script to some degree, you'll have a better shot at them. So, um, and lastly, if you're just getting into it, don't don't buy new stuff. Go get some hand me downs from your from your buddy, or get some extra gear for free, or go on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace and buy used stuff because you're not sure that you're gonna like it yet. So, I wouldn't spend a lot of money on it. And when you do, then I would get Merino wool. <laughs> that was
2: the a great investment. Now, to this deer that you messed up on, um, I think, if if I'm not mistaken, you have a segment on your show or something that you talk about often called, like, your okest moments. Mm-hmm. And so, could you define the okest moment and then maybe talk about... Uh, are uh, your, your season this year? Yeah, <laughs> the most replicated okayest moment is people forgetting their releases.
0: But what's an okayest moment? So, like, this moment is like the the facepalm moment where you're like, or when you you make a bad decision and you. It's like when you uh, lock your keys in the door. It's the second you shut the door, you go, "Oh, I did it! I locked them in the door." You know, and that's happened to people in this season too, or they've literally locked their keys into a truck or something. So, th- those are like, if I could. The quintessence of it, it's that aha moment of, oh, shit. I just did that. And now this. And you have to be able to... Usually, it's much later that you can laugh at that. Usually, in the moment, you're still pretty mad about something that went wrong. But it's later on that you can laugh about it. So now we have people submitting okay moments and stories to us on a regular basis. And the one I heard the other day was uh, someone was really hungover at deer camp. And they didn't see any deer. And they didn't know why. Well, come to find out, the reason they didn't see any deer and they do not know why is he had opened up a bottle of doe estrus, doe scent, smelled it, gagged, puked, proceeded to throw the estrus scent like a grenade out of the stand, and then deer ran off. <laughs> so that's so why he didn't see anything. That's a particularly interesting OKS moment. Um, people have OKS seasons for crying out loud. The forgetting release one happens to be the most common, so we made a sticker for it. You slap on your bouquet case so to help uh, reduce that that one from happening as much as possible. But this season,
3: yeah, go ahead. Always carry two. That's a good one too. I always, I mean, especially don't carry them in the same spot, though. No, so like I always have an extra one in my pack, always. And uh, whatever pack I'm, Mm -hmm. like, if you look in my bino harness, there's one. Of course, you know, people want to go. I mean, most guys buying a, you know, a wrist strap. Any wrist strap will work in a hunting situation, you know, so you can get some of the cheaper ones and, you know, have a couple of them, put, put them in a pack. And uh, But especially since we started shooting, like, the handhelds without a strap. Because, like, before we just, I would get, out, get my bow case out and I'd strap, you know, put my wrist strap on and walk in with it. But with the uh, handhelds, I definitely have, well, three of them that are with me at all times. This is
0: good advice. But, but I think you know it's interesting about the hunt that I'm talking about the the one forty that I missed an opportunity on. I actually did most things right to have a to have one of those deer at ten yards. A lot had to go right for that to happen.
2: So let's get into that. So set it up. Um, How did you find this area, this spot? What's the
0: setup? It's a conservancy property, so it's a property you have to put money into a pot for, and if you get drawn then you have access to it. So, it's private land with public access. So, uh, it just reduces the number of hunters that would normally otherwise be on that property. Although I think most people don't realize it's that and people flood it anyways. So, I don't even think it's effective. Uh, and Greg, my co-host on the OKS Hunter podcast, helped me identify what we would call an overlooked area where we made some assumptions that most people accessing that property are probably going to go to these other places. And we approach it differently by looking at this one area that had some promise that we didn't see a lot of other hunter sign going this way um i only had two people on my cell cam the whole season that weren't me that were in this area
2: um and that's that's a low amount because i'd be like yeah i mean where we hunt the hunter density is so thick i
0: mean if you anybody from south southeast wisconsin will tell you that it's i would tell you it's overcrowded for sure it's really hard hunting um because of the pressure of hunters uh, it's it's a it's a grind for sure. So finding these properties that you can reduce the number of hunters was step one, and then overlooked area step two. And the first person I saw on my my cell cam, they kept moving, so I don't think they're hunting that area. Particularly, I think they're passing through. And the last one was late season, and I was done hunting there anyways. Um, and he was back in my area for sure. I think he probably would have identified the tree that I was even put in. So, but with that, I watched the wind when hunting season happens. I might as well have an alert on my phone when the wind goes off on the best days. I I know I'm watching the wind like more than anything else. I know which spots are going to be favorable for for which wind on certain properties. And I have different properties that I'll look at that might be better than one or the other. Uh, I did some speed scouting in the early season. So I identified where bucks were or weren't on which properties. And the access that I took to this particular spot, I didn't have... I laid down zero human scent. I took the longest way possible, roundabout way. I worked my way in slow, so I wasn't too sweated up. And I hunted a morning, so I hunted the ground in the morning. And I was going to put up in a spot closer to a bedding area that I identified um, once the light, you know, once the sun came up this afternoon. Well, that buck came out of where I thought he was going to, came the direction I thought he was going to. He just came up on the opposite side of the ridge. I was the downwind side of me, not the upwind side of me. And when he hit my scent, he stopped like a, like he hit a brick wall. And he did that bobbing, 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 trying to look for me, look for me. And I was on the ground. I wasn't concealed well from the direction he was looking at me. If he would have come the other way not only wouldn't he have seen me, I wasn't silhouetted and the wind would have been in my favor. I just didn't see him soon enough to have been drawn back to pull this 10 yard chip shot because someone texted me and I had my phone out. And so prior to that moment, I was head on a swivel. I was like, this is it. This is the rod. I'm going to kill something today. One text comes through. I look at it and I'm reading it real quick. And then I see this movement. I'm like, whatever. Look again, like it's a deer. It's a big deer. It's the deer that I want. Uh, dropped my phone, grab my bow, and then I was stuck in that position. I couldn't draw back on him. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing was an okayest freaking shit show. Adam's done that during turkey season. It mm-hmm. it sucked because you know, as a hunter, you only get so many moments like that at deer like that. Yeah, that was your opportunity. It was. And I didn't have another one. That buck was gone. He's not come back. I had not seen him once since.
2: Who knows where he went? But he, he got that and he was out. <laughs> and so one of the things that we've been doing a lot uh, this year and dealing with the patreons in the group is like uh, a post hunt like recap like we used to do like this is what happened this is what i saw um but i've kind of added like what did you learn so uh, aside from not looking at your phone or, or whatever which in and of itself is something that you just shouldn't be doing if you're, uh, I guess the you're being
0: real serious about killing something that do you better get the, your phone. The, the, the Andy hallway. Mays
2: yeah. and Dan, Dan infaults. They're not up there Instagramming, no, you know, they're, they're not. You're right. And that's a great point. So, you know, they go there to kill. Yep. That's why they're there. And, and, and a lot of people, you know, they will say, you know, and I've, I've heard you talk about it a lot. uh, Just being down here at the show is like, you're away from your family. You're spending, you're taking time away to come down here to, mm-hmm. you know, do what you're doing here. You know, you're, you're taking time away from all of those things. Like
1: when you're out eating better is easy with factors, delicious, ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including calorie smart protein plus, which is the one I like and keto get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites and more no prep, no mess meals, factor meals at factormeals.com/waypointpod50 to get 50% off.
2: In yeah, it
1: gets in stressful.
0: It stresses the family out. It's hard on my wife, on my kids, it's hard on me even though she'll say we're well, in the, the woods and it's peaceful. What are you talking about? I'm like, "Well yeah, but then you're I'm feel guilty that I'm leaving you like it all builds up everywhere." And then and then you're
2: texting. You know, like it's <laughs> and then you're it's you're, wasted. Yeah, you're you're you are not focused on your job mm-hmm. that you're set out how many deer did you miss because you eat. weren't even looking you
0: know because you you could that's happened before where like if i wasn't looking i wouldn't have seen it and it, it's critical then to keep that head on the swivel to keep looking around because that that tree just breathed <laughs> Did that tree just exhale you know oh there's right. a deer right there oh my gosh um but that same day where i missed that that 140 uh, another buck did show up. show up i was in a tree and uh he was tending a doe and so I, it turned into an observation so i made a move on him the next day and i i you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Maybe if I would have got down and made a move on on that night, it could have happened. But I don't think so because that doe ran off and he chased her. So by the time I would have got there, maybe it wasn't going to happen. Um, so I was in the I was in the right area. My assumption of the overlooked spot was good. I hunted the sign. I knew where the, the deer were. A lot went right. But a, a lot has to really go right for you to kill one of these things. But so,
3: in that situation, I mean, even though it didn't work out, you learned a lot. And it was also like a confidence builder for you, right? I mean, you. Now you know. You usually don't
0: get that kind of affirmation as a hunter. Exactly. You can be in the right spot and it doesn't, if I would have, if that buck would have chased that doe off and I was in the spot, I would have just thought the spot sucked. Right. But when you have that confirmation, you're finally getting that feedback to tell you, I did do some things right.
3: Right. And that gives you the confidence the next time when you go in and you see that sign for now, you know, okay, this is what it looks like. Yes. I'm confident that this situation is going to happen or could happen. Yep. You you know, your, your probability just went up.
0: But yeah, things get messed up all the time. And that's a big focal point for our brand. We try to make things so, so relatable. So like those things will happen. And the next meme you'll see from us or the next GIF will be something like that. Because that's that's what happens to everybody. I shot at at a deer the season before that, the same year I actually got my buck. Two weeks before that, I shot at one that was a a little bit bigger. And I just missed. And I didn't know why. And so I shot and as a swing and a miss. And then everyone's like, dude, it happens. I was like... Yeah, but it feels terrible, <laughs> like for the same reason that these opportunities only come along so frequently. And I was on the bucks, and I had one come through, and I could have shot him, and I shot at him, and I just missed. You know. So then I made a, a post of uh, Adam Sandler and Billy Madison, or and Bill, yeah, Billy Madison. Happy, no, yeah, Billy
2: Madison, where he goes,
1: "You blew it." <laughs>
2: that's how I felt? <laughs> so, like, from uh, that blowing at standpoint and to almost come full circle to like where you're talking about uh, brand new hunters and passing deer i mean you don't get that hard lesson learned like the knowledge of what it feels like to miss or like what yeah. y- y- you know without by not taking those shots and i feel like that's one of the things where like i was incredibly i don't even want to say humbled because i don't really care um but i'm just like you know i had to eat my words a bit i missed two deer with a rifle this year like i don't rifle hunt at all i i missed a i missed them with a seven mag at 40 yards and at uh like 90 yards. and you're marine you should know how to shoot well, and that's right? why i love bow hunting is because i think that every. since and you know i went out to colorado Towed my bow around for four days. Last day, I borrowed a rifle. I didn't bring a rifle on a rifle elk hunt. Said, I'm going to go shoot a deer or you shoot an elk today. And I went and I shot one at 275 yards, 260 yards. Never even cycled this gun in my life. You know, my one of the Patreons missed. My dad missed, you know. And I'm like, how do you is, miss? This is How do you miss? You know, here I am, you know, walk into a spot like I knew 100%. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill something. I'm gonna kill something yeah. I'm gonna walk in so here have no, my gun nobody's ever been in but but this this area they're not seeing deer you know it's it's property I've hunted my whole life I'm like if I walk down in here and I just and I walked in at gray light, looked around at the sign, <laughs> got up a tree I go and that I'm that like thing. I'm gonna kill a deer this morning no doubt about it. I was in the stand for twenty minutes and here comes these does I'm like Shh. clicked off safety they stopped. I centered it behind the shoulder, shot, and the deer just looked at me and I was like, son of a bitch. I'm like, what in That's, the world? This is an okay moment. <laughs> you know? So then I go back, I sighted my rifle because I'm like, there has to be happened? something wrong with the rifle. It yeah. couldn't have been me, you know. And I'll be damned if I didn't miss one at 90 on the same thing. And I don't know if i was flinching or what. But it's that experience of failure failure
0: is a great teacher and you can learn from success too we just talked about confirmation and affirmation and all of that but when you fail it sticks in your mind it's soldered in there differently look you don't you don't touch a stove after the first time you ever touch a stove when you burn yourself it tells your brain a signal like this is hot you don't do that you know you you stand to learn quite a bit so when we emphasize and focus on failure it becomes really really relatable because i think more people fail Far more than they succeed. And failure is far more common across the board. Even if it's a small failure or a large failure, that's a focus point for us. That's what none of the other shows do. They are
2: strictly focused on the success. Right. But what I was getting at in kind of like that long-winded yes. example is that like I used to think and even – and it wasn't missing these deer with a rifle didn't create this thought process – But I used to think that even with the bow, if I let that deer walk past me, that, you know, that deer would have been dead. And so many guys have said, I passed on this two and a half year old. It would have been dead. It was so dead. Well, how many times has your arrow fallen off your rest or your, you know, something, you hit a twig, you know, things go wrong. I mean, I missed a, uh, oh, I hit a deer poorly and I just, it was 100% my fault this year at 14 yards. I mean, like yeah, so I'm making I'm doing the same thing. I'm assuming that that 140
0: inch deer could have been dead at 10 yards, and once that arrow leaves the string,
2: I don't right. know, man. But if but if you're a brand new hunter, like you said, the five guys that say, "Well, I passed this deer because he wasn't big enough," mm-hmm. you know, and I could have killed him. Like, could you have that deer's yeah. not dead until you? Because when I shot that deer, I was so I, I mean I would have bet you a hundred dollars. I'd bet I'd have bet you my house that that deer was just dead right there on the other side of the ditch. Like, I was so confident it was there was but so I felt un- with the doe I shot this but year. It, but until that animal is till you recover in your hand till you yep. put your tag on it you know it's not it's not a sure thing and these these new hunters uh, that are passing animals or that haven't experienced all of this like uh, the ups and downs of roller coasters that is hunting let alone bow hunting and you know we I don't think I've ever heard a rifle hunter talk about no man's land. If you shoot a deer with a rifle in it's the no man's die. land, it's gonna die. <laughs> like I uh, just,
0: I just <laughs> ran into Bill with um, Iron Iron Will Outfitters Art okay. uh, Right Outfitters, the Broadhead Company, and he just was talking about how they're. He just learned that the lungs go all the way up to the spine, and that the no man's land is a bit more of a myth than you would think. And and then I was talking with. Um, Vector Eros, Isaac Smith, and he was talking about the contraction and expansion of those lungs as an animal is breathing, something you would never even think about. I've never thought about it until he said it just today, and how much larger those lungs are when they're inhaling versus when they're exhaling. Mm-hmm. Just interesting things to think about. Yeah. I'm not saying I would factor that into
2: my shot placement, but but it is when things can happen. When you're reviewing it, like I, I, I shot a deer and I thought it was... Better than shit, mm-hmm. and this is long ago before I ever even thought about that. You know, twenty-five yard shot, complete pass through. I mean, basically right where I aimed behind I had. the front shoulder, yeah. Yeah. just just a little high, and I found one dime-sized drop of blood. I was shooting uh, blue and pink feather fletchings, okay. and so the feathers were just wet. There was no. There was no blood on the arrow. There was no nothing. It was just wet fixed blade broadhead, like you know everything that you would think would kill an animal. Oh yeah, and and nothing. But again, until you've had that experience of ups and downs and all the way across the board, you know you can't say well that was a dead deer. Yeah, you, know? you can't. You can't. You can't base and you can't base your uh, like projected successes on y- your buddies or other people. I mean, that's a cool thing about bow hunting in its in its own right is like it's there's so many things that can go wrong and the deer have to be so much closer. I mean, how many times have you been busted drawing your bow or, or hit you, a stick you, that you didn't you, see? You, tap your eyes or any of this stuff like so my first ever bow hunting experience by the way was in the in the
0: nicolay with the dart and viper that my dad had handed down to me and i got up the tree and no no sooner well i was not ready i was just barely in the tree and clipped in and all that stuff and safe and i hear something tranching down this path that i walked in on so i just assumed it was another hunter it sounded like a person crunching these leaves it was early season so lots of like was, sorry mid-season so it was like october so a lot of leaves had fallen and it was two bucks they weren't big but by golly i was like oh my gosh antlers were like i couldn't believe it it was a buck you know back then a buck was uh, you know 150 for me today and there was two of them and i probably could have shot it here we go Is that right if but there's a good chance if i would shot one i might have got both um, that's how they were walking, just to give you a perspective or a picture in your mind. And so, here's what happens. I grab my bow and I go to draw back and it's um, like a piece of hair in my mouth. I don't know what's going on. And I go to draw back and my bow is upside down in my hands. <laughs> upside down. <laughs> so then I proceed to rotate my bow as slow and smooth as possible as to like, make sure there's no big movements. And rotate, 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 rotating. I put my release on my bow and this is a bow that didn't have a D-loop, it had those little rubber. Yeah, the little stones. eliminator buttons. Well, I put it above that. So, I go to draw back and goes zip up to the top of the cam. <laughs> now, these deer are young, so they still don't know that's happening. And I'm about panicking. And then, as I'm trying to do that, I, I don't know what I kicked off of my tree stand, but Planko, the whole way down. I'm like, oh my God, could this go any worse? So, I finally come to full draw. And at this point, these deer are not in bow range. And I'm like... I don't know. I don't have any judgment about me. I'm like, I don't think I can shoot these animals. This, I think the opportunity has now passed me by. <laughs> and so I'm sitting in a full draw going, okay, I'll let off. And I'm like, did that all just happen? <laughs> so my first ever bow hunting experience is that the first time in a tree with my bow ever.
3: And that's what happened to me. Uh-huh. And so, an okay moment, right?
0: Do, right,
2: do yeah. I live up to the name or not? one of those it's a is bit of a moment? Is it the fact? That what, the whole thing. <laughs> oh, like, the whole, like, no, no, no. But I mean the like. The so you, 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 <laughs> you, you pick up your bow and you're like, oh, fuck, oh, it's shit. upside down. And then you get it up, switch around, and then you're like. <laughs> then there's another one, and then another one, and then another one. bad news, man. My first bow hunt was. Uh, but if you. Think about deal- it. If, if I was a hunter
0: today and I had been like, I'm not picking up my bow for these. They're not big enough. <laughs> Dude, you don't even know what would have gone wrong there.
2: Like, (laughs) come on. My first bow hunt, we went out and I hung a stand. No no sticks. I just climbed up this tree with this 30-pound chain-on stand. (laughs) No harness, no nothing. Throw out a bag of carrots. Go back to the cabin. Go get ready. Come out there. I grab a carrot on my way out to... So, I put, stick my hand in the bait pile, climb up the tree with the carrot in my pocket. I start shaving off pieces of the carrots. Like, this is going to be more scent. It's going <laughs> to be... This is great. So a great good. story so far. So, I'm sitting there, and then here comes a herd of deer. And they're all eating at the bait pile, and they're 15 yards away. And I'm like... You got a carrot and a, a, a shaper in your hand? I'm looking... No, get this. Uh, I'm I'm looking, and I'm going, I, I think they're too far. Like, they're way too far. I'm like, I don't, I don't think I can do this. And they're at
0: the bait pile that
2: you set up. Yeah, right. oh yeah. So you're thinking, I set this bait pile up too far away. Yeah, I, I I didn't have any idea. This like, this is yeah, my yeah, first, and yeah. there was never like any, like, I go out and sit with my dad and yeah, it, this was like, there's a my tree. Dad there's did a the bait thing. Pile. He'd say,
0: here's your tree. Go. And I was like, okay. Yeah, and he's
2: like, I'll be, I'll be over later, you know. So, so then what happens next, right? After I've decided these fuckers are too far away, one comes over and starts eating at, the shavings underneath my tree. And I'm like, these deer are so stupid. <laughs> so, they're not wondering when. So, I have no I have no safety harness on. I'm drawn back and I'm leaning over the oh, front. Oh, God. And I shoot straight down and I missed, of course. I knock another arrow. Deer goes out too far away at the bait pile. And they never came back to sniff the arrow. So, they were just still it's too far them. away. <laughs> like, and that was my How first How far time. do you think they were? The, hindsight. Yeah. 15 yards. I mean, they were. It was right there, and then, like, if you want to go to like you said, your dad and my my dad, he listens to the podcast, and he's like, "Mine too." You you just make me sound so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like did I really do that? I uh, just apologize. But this is one of those things. Like, this would be your okay moment, a hunter moment. Also, is that my dad is set, set? He had set up his bait pile, and. He is using a loggy bio climber, set it up, and he couldn't get the tree stand around the tree that he wanted to get up. So, he had to go 30 yards over. And then he's like, I could hear the deer crunching on my carrots on the bait pile that I set up, but I couldn't see him. He had to set up where he couldn't shoot. So, he's just basically just feeding deer, <laughs> you know. So, that was my first first bow hunt. Is yours as memorable? I don't remember my first
3: bow hunts. I mean, I remember, uh, one of my earliest ones. It was right out back behind my old house where my dad, uh, my dad's house still is. And, uh, I remember getting out there and back then I was shooting. It was called like a Hunter Supreme. And it had like a little plastic flipper rest with a burger button and there was no capture on it back then. So, like, if you moved around, the air would fall off and ping, you know. Yep. So I'm sitting there and I remember watching these does come out and they're, you know, like they're about a hundred yards out and they're milling through the acorns. And so I reached down and I didn't want to spook them. So I pushed the arrow inside the rest. Like you could push it down in behind the burger button. So it wouldn't fall off. I'm sitting there watching these deer. And all of a sudden I hear something down like to my right. And there'd been some squirrels, you know, over there, you know, before I you know, kept looking and, uh, I didn't really look over it at the first sound, and then all of a sudden, you know, it was getting closer, and I finally looked down, and it's a nice little six-point. I'm like, oh, my God, he's right here, like not even 10 yards at the bottom of my tree. So I'm, I'm so amped up, I forget all about the arrow being inside the rest. So I go to draw back, and I draw back, and it's like, you know, squeals yeah. all the way until the broadhead hits the riser and then goes, tink, and then just goes, Falls off, and it sticks in the ground like five feet from him. Like, <laughs> and he like looks at it, looks at me, you know, he's like, and then he's giving me the finger as he's running away laughing, you know, like, ah, I end up killing that deer with my gun. There you go. That makes late you late season. Good. But because I remember like when all that happened, I remember it was something was weird because he was so close. Like his one brow tine looked like a mushroom. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, when gun season came out, I was like, it was a complete fluke, like, I remember I skipped school that day and my dad and I were supposed to go out back hunting and it snowed like a foot and a half. And he's like, yeah, I'm not going out in that shit. And he's like, just take the car. I was only like 15. Yeah, it must have been 15 at the time. Because I didn't have a driver's license, but I was just drove out the two-track. Drove out there. It was so snowy. I'm walking out to where I was, the blind was. I couldn't find it. Like, it was... Just everything looked so different, all these white pines. So I just got out there and sat down. I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I'm not even sitting there 15 minutes, and all of a sudden, here comes a deer running. And he, like, stops behind this white pine, and I'm like, and I'm shooting a 7 mag. Shoot him, he goes, runs, and disappears. I'm like, I got up, I'm running with my gun, and look, and there's just blood everywhere, and I follow the trail. There he is laying there. I didn't even do anything else. I just ran back to the car. Drove up to the house. I'm like, Dad, I shot a deer. And he's like, go back to bed. You didn't shoot a deer. I'm like, no, seriously, <laughs> I shot a go deer. You know, he's still sleeping. And uh, so he got up. He's like, serious? And I'm like, yeah, I shot a deer. So we went out and got it. And then ended up, you know, when I looked at him, like, that's the buck I, you know, screwed up on during bow season. See you all jacked. That's pretty exciting. But, I but shot
2: yeah. old chode.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <A> mushroom stamp. <laughs> but <laughs> another, uh, an okayest moment for Frank. So, Frank and his best friend Ernie, they're like lifetime best friends, hunter. So, everything that they have usually is identical. Like, they have the same bows. Okay. They have the same, same case. cases, Jeez. same arrows. So, same. someone grabbed the wrong thing. So, it's a classic mix up. Here's the problem, though Frank is a lefty. Oh, gosh. And Ernie's right. So, they get out to the spot, and <laughs> one of them takes off. And I can't remember did they both get to their trees or just I don't one know. of them? I think one of them. And all of a sudden it's like I got the wrong bow. <laughs> they grabbed the, and you know, now you're left and right. So what that, the hell do you do? You can't hunt with that. Right. Yeah. So they had screwed. to go back and screwed up the whole hunt. That's a
0: face palm OKS. Okay. Someone literally told me today that they were using OKS Hunter as a verb. They said uh, a basket rack came through and they said, Should I OKS Hunter this thing? I was like, Shut up, are you kidding me? <laughs> My uncle and my dad went hunting. My uncle, he's he's like the poster child, poster child of O.K.'s Hunter. He got treed by a herd of cows once. tried <laughs> through a, a pasture, like couldn't get down because the cows were around. He's all scared of the cows. And then they, they set up at this swamp edge and my dad climbs a tree, gets all set up. And my uncle's name is Randy. So, Randy goes into the swamp. My dad's watching the entire time. Randy goes up, goes up, stops, scratches his head, looks around, and then starts coming back around right towards my dad gets to my, the bottom of my dad's tree, looks like, how the hell did you get over here? <laughs> and my dad's like, I, you just turned yourself around. I didn't go to the other end of the swamp. <laughs> right. But he literally had thought my dad had somehow beat him to the other side. Right. Yeah. yeah. That, that particular line, like, how did you get here? I mean, just <laughs> exemplifies what can go on in the woods. Oh, you get yeah. turned around, you get lost, all this stuff. I've, I've talked to some of the bigger names. Aaron Schneider shared a whole mess of OKS hunter Moments. He's on our YouTube channel. Uh, Andre DeQuisto shared a whole bunch of OKS 100 moments, you know, talking about these goofy things that happened to these guys that, these are guys that I look up to that I think a lot of people do in the industry. So for them to share that, to make it seem like the purpose of that was for them to show I have these moments, right. it's okay.
3: Yeah. It's okay. Hence the name. Yeah. OKS yeah. Moment. Yep. Yeah. That's, a- that's good stuff.
2: ZZ Top, John. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Adam? I'm not the navigator. Uh, I'm not the uh, well the navigating
3: like, type. So Adam, I mean our listeners have heard this story many times, but so Adam's like, "Hey, let's go hunt." He's like, "I'll film you. You know, your shooter. I'll film." I'm like, "All right, you got a spot? Yep." I'm like, "Where are we going?" He tells them, "Like, fuck, I hate this spot." You know, I'm like, "All right, you want to do it? We'll go." So the backstory of this is. I think your phone, like you're at the time we were with Onyx. We were running Onyx yep. and Adam didn't up renew or yeah. re up. So instead he logs into Frank's account. So, so he doesn't have any of, I don't have his, any of my waypoints yep. or tracks. Yep. So I'm like, where are we going? He's like, well, it's out here somewhere or in this area. Sure. You know, I'm like, all right, let's go. Well, when we got to the spot, there was another hunter in the parking lot. Okay, and so we kind of talked to him like, "Hey, where are we, go- where are you going? We just want to, you know, just so we don't run into each other. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're not close. which is the best. I love that when punters
2: are open to that. And, and so, we are headed in the same direction. Yeah, yeah, same
3: offshoot, two track, all this. And so he's kind of going out like where we were going to go, but so like, all right, we'll cut back this way. So I'm following Adam, and I'm a sweater. Like I same. usually it's just bad. I have I'm with you there all my shit in my pack so we're trekking out this freaking trail and the next thing you know we're in the thick shit like and then i'm like dude you know where we're going what i'm like pull that freaking map up you know and uh we end up way off over in this other shit i'm like this other hunter is watching us and like he's thinking look at these clowns they're over there walking circles what are you know Actually, when we pulled up the map, it looked like ZZ Tops, so like it was like a lightning bolt. <laughs> you know, Why you said ZZ Top, okay. and, uh, so finally I'm like, all right, which way do you want to go? Just get out of the fucking way. And then we're going there. Like, and so we got over there. Adam's going up the tree. I'm at the bottom of the tree, no shirt on. And I'm like, the steam is rolling off me. I'm sweating balls, like just. I'm like Jesus Christ! I'm never hunting with you again. You know, you can't follow Marine. You should should learn that.
0: that they're gonna take the hardest path for no reason other than it's in their DNA. I'm
3: like, we're just confusing the deer now, so we're we're good.
0: we're gonna cross our scent ten times. They won't know what's going on. Yeah, (laughs)
3: Yeah. they'd be like, he's over here. here. He's He's over over there. there. He He can 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 only not be this way. (laughs) (laughs) But we did have a nice buck and some does come through, and uh, I don't know maybe they the wind just just shifted right you were at full draw yeah it was it would have been a long shot but you know it was a nice decent buck
2: but i love the fact that you're like again bringing on these great guys to talk hunting but then also to like show that it's it's not all about the grind and and the grind and whatever else all all that it's like like they mess up too everybody like screws up and and everybody started somewhere yeah and you gotta you gotta be able to laugh at yourself with this stuff and you gotta remember why you got into
0: it you can get in get back to we talked about our first ever stories just right now how magical was all of that and it was all failure but <laughs> you've appreciated the experience the moments the exposure to it all and the opportunity sometimes you got to get back to that you know remember why you started and you know when you can make fun of yourself i think that's a pretty good start <laughs> and, and to humble up a little bit and who doesn't want a fricking giant deer? Of course you do. You know it's not easy. But the but like, you got, sometimes you got to fill your freezer. Not everyone's after the same goals too. I forget to mention like, you know, we talk about earlier on that everyone's on a different part of their journey. But everyone has different objectives too, or different populations, or access, or time. If I have three kids, I don't have a lot of time right now. So if I only get three days
3: a hunt out a whole season, I'm gonna shoot what I can. You know. And one of the other things that, like, Frank has always said, especially to Adam, it's like, you know, you got to get a few under your belt. Yes. Get out there and have fun and shoot some shit. We got a shirt that says shoot deer for that very reason. Right. And so then, Because you don't want your first buck to come in that you're going to shoot be a 150 and have all those mistakes because a lot of shit's going to happen at that point. Like, if you have not drawn back and shot at a deer. Do you remember the movie 40-Year-Old Virgin? Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) You got to, you know. <laughs> Get some practice.
2: If you don't use it, do you really lose it? <laughs> I love that. It's, that's funny. So, you talked a lot about your your darting, right? Your, I never killed anything with that, unfortunately. And so what's your bow. what's your this is Joe's uh this is Joe's question. Joe. John, Joe. John's John's great. He hasn't been on the podcast in months. <laughs> I, forget, I don't wrong. even know who this guy is. Uh John's always wants to know like bow set up, all that like yeah, so... I can't go heavy on gear, but I can tell you what I have.
0: Um, I leverage... You You must be like my version of Greg. Greg knows too much about all this stuff. So, Greg set up my, my arrows. Yep. Greg set up my sight pin on my bow. I'm using uh, HHA uh, Tetra, which is great. It's a single pin, and then you just got to rotate the dial to the right to the right yardage which you have to remember to do when you're out okay, there. Okay, it's proof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mostly. Uh, I'm using a Vector Custom Shop Arrow with an Ethics insert out search system. It's 3 or I'm sorry, it's 500, I think 510, something around on the 505 to 510 grains. I don't know the exact weight, it might be 508. And I'm using an Iron Will um, is it the S series S100 broadhead? Uh, my arrows have four fletchings on them. I forget they're a fancy brand because it got set up by Vector. And th- that's a, a, at least for my bow setup, it's a Bear Empire single cam. I don't know the speed of it. It's good. N- like it hits the target and it gets right. there. It's a really quiet bow. Uh, and that's so I think comes. I and, and Vector will tell you that I've heard them say, y- your arrow will never be faster than the speed of sound. Never. So you can increase the speed, but I I like this whole plan B idea of if it's a heavy arrow, it gives me a little bit of grace if I plow into a shoulder. I know I'll still pass through that animal and get get it done. Um There's a lot of arguments here. I just was talking, we were just both talking to Troy Fowler at the Ranch Fair. He was talking about the tank uh analogy, analogy of if you shoot a tank and it just dings off the side, that turret's going to turn around and shoot you. So what's going to penetrate that thing, you know? We're not even talking about killing things, he's talking about the, the physics of flight. And I that's hard to argue with that kind of science and math, I think, but I just do what other smarter people talk about. Well
3: not only that, so like the heavier the arrow, the the quieter your bow's gonna be. You know, and less speed, it's more forgiving. So you
0: can hear that arrow whizzing through the freaking sky anyway. You know,
3: and that's the thing like you're saying everyone that's like wow well, i'm going to shoot this deer i want i want to shoot fast so the arrow gets there before the you know before he hears it well that's never going to happen because an arrow the speed of sound is almost what 700 you know right. you know that miles per hour yeah you're never going to shoot a, an arrow that fast you shoot a bullet you know mm-hmm. but so yeah so the slower heavier arrows are definitely more forgiving and you're going to get better penetration you know it's going to be a more lethal setup
0: Yeah, as far as I'm using, we're in the Latitude booth, so I'm using a Latitude Method 2 saddle. Uh, I'm using the Lone Wolf Custom Gear saddle platform and sticks, though that just fits on the back of my pack right now. The goal is with those guys is I want everything to fit inside my pack. So uh, whoever comes out with the smallest platform, that's what I'm going to go with. I want it in my pack. Just get a bigger pack. Yeah, that's probably not a terrible (laughs) idea. (laughs) (laughs) What pack are you running? I'm using the Lone Wolf Oh, no, it's the XOP pack. It's green. It's great. I've used some other ones. This one's built well. The zippers are quiet. Everything seems to be pretty well-designed and functioned, fit for a whitetail hunter. And it fits my setup really well. I, I'm actually pretty pleased with it. I ran it all last season with all my stuff. And it takes a minute when you switch gear to get into the groove of your system and where things are and how you're, you know, right. Say, getting set up at the base of the tree and all that stuff. And I got, by the end of the season, I was really efficient yeah, with it. Beginning of the season, I was a little clunky. Um, you know, experiencing things for the first few times, but
3: you said you're using a wrist
0: strap release. I am. Yeah. Not a thought on understand the thumb stuff. It freaks me out. I don't, I think it's probably fine. I just don't want to change what I have works for me. So I think comfortability goes a long way.
2: (laughs) Well, awesome. Well, I'm so glad that we got to do this like in person. Yeah, like, this is I good. mean and it's gotta be Finally. different for you because you you're not answering phone calls and you're not like changing camera cameras and, and, <laughs> and doing all this stuff. So where can people follow along with the stuff that you're doing and you know, watch the show and call in and all that stuff. Yeah, if you made it this far and you have any interest in taking a look
0: at anything, OKSHunter.com or okshunterpodcast.com, both are fine. Uh Outland is the app, it's been rebranded from what was formerly Where to Hunt. So, it's O-U-T-L-N-D dot I-O is the website. And I uh, do a lot of marketing, like you had mentioned, and we're doing that for the outdoor space. You can find us there
3: at com. Awesome. And you said your podcasts are every, like, Tuesday night?
0: Every single Tuesday, mostly come hell or high water,
3: uh, from 6 p.m.
0: to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And we broadcast to our YouTube, our Facebook, and our Twitter accounts. That's Instagram people. is too much of a pain to they don't have they don't make it easy so right
3: but that's where they can call in yeah like live.
0: phone yeah, number on the screen it's 262-757-4122 you call in during that duration of the hour and we'll bring you on the show to talk
2: about deer hunting all right cool awesome thanks sir thanks guys